0: Well, I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord, bless Bless his holy name. Good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Thanks, Jandy. Um, Got a question for you tonight. Um, Has anyone ever asked you to keep a secret? Now, let me preface, because it's a very volatile time in our world today. I'm not talking about the bad kind of secrets, okay? I'm not talking about the ones that are heartbreaking or that are gonna cause damage, or the ones that someone has told you something and under law you're obligated to contact the authorities. Not talking about those kind of secrets. I'm talking about the actual good kind of secrets. The ones that are hopeful, the ones that are wonderful, and the ones that are delightful. The ones that kinda like put carbonated happiness in your heart and it boils up like a cauldron and you feel like you're gonna belch out that secret every second that you get. You kind of feel like Sue can't keep a secret from Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys have seen this skit. I had someone show it to me. Um, And you feel like the details are just going to come out, that this Tourette's syndrome of truth is just going to start speaking out the details, and you're going to have to jump out a window to keep yourself from exploding out the details. Oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what's going to happen. It's wonderful. Why is that? Why, are, why do secrets, good things that people let us in on before they happen, create in us such expectation and longing and joy? And if we're actually lucky enough to be there, when someone who has asked us to guard the mystery of who, what, when, how, and why is actually going to come out, their plans and their purposes are going to be revealed and everyone's going to see it, if you're there, it's an amazing experience. It's your friend who's asked you to hide in the bushes and take pictures when he gets down on one knee and finally proposes and you're like, it's happening. It's your close friend who has trusted you with the gender of their child, but they don't wanna know it yet and you're the one who packs the colored balloons. It's all of us sneaking down behind a couch and we hear keys in the lock And everyone's giggling and telling each other to shut up (laughs) so that when the lights come on and your friend walks in, you shout, surprise. It's like Christmas morning from a parent's perspective because there's been so much anticipation and preparation. Finally, the proclamation is going to come. Mom and dad, you're awesome. And Santa too, depending on how you parent. It's one of those moments. This is the spirit of Advent. Advent means the coming. It refers to the longing and the yearning of God's people to see God's son come, to see how he was going to make a way for God's kingdom to come to earth, how he's going to rescue and redeem us and make the with life God possible. But there's another layer to this. It's when you turn in from secret keeper to secret teller. Now, I have to confess to you, this is my wife's favorite thing on the world, okay? I think it may be her divine purpose for the kingdom of God here on earth. I don't know if it's the way that she's wired, if it's because she's so loving and loyal, but people always love to trust her with secrets, especially if she's in on the know before someone else, she feels like she is fully alive. Now we make a great couple because I'm usually the last one to know. Um, so she always has someone to tell, which is just great. But what my wife knows is this, not only does she want to be a part of the preparation and the anticipation and then the proclamation, she wants to be all in on that, but she knows even in our day and age with social media and news of whatever you've done will travel halfway around the world and back before you blink an eye, there are still people who don't know. And my wife lives for the moment when she is in a conversation with someone, and they're kind of getting around to this certain thing, and she realizes they don't know. And she gets to go utter the question that brings her life and joy and happiness and fulfillment. Oh, you mean you haven't heard? Let me tell you. And in that moment, her spirit animal, which is Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights, (laughs) swells like the Macy's Day Parade balloon and hovers and fills the entire room and says, let me tell you all the details. And it's wonderful. I love it when she gets to do that. Why? Because she has been transformed from secret keeper to secret teller. And she gets to be the bringer of good news. I think this is the spirit that, the Gospel Mark is written in. He is so excited to divulge the secret details of the ancient rescue plan hatched by God, entrusted to his prophets and people since the beginning of time. And he's getting a chance in the midst of all this, not like Matthew or not like Luke, who start out straight with the birth narrative. He wants us to listen in and hear the ancient echoes of the fact that in our long waiting and yearning and hoping that our prayers would be answered, God is constantly at work in your story and my story and in history. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Mark chapter one and we're gonna hear his opening account to the gospel narrative and the good news. Would you pray with me as we turn there? Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Mark chapter one. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him In the Jordan River, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So, the first thing that Mark does in announcing the secret good news of Jesus is he heralds the herald. Isn't that weird? He heralds the herald. And some of you are looking at me like, what is that? Do you guys not know what a herald is? I'm so glad you asked. So a herald comes from a 14th century term for when kings were over people, right? And if they wanted to issue a new edict or a law about how they were going to rule or govern their people, what they would do is they would sign it, and then they would take a selfie of themselves like this, and then they would write a description. Hey, check out the link in my bio for all the details for the new edict, right? (laughs) That's how they would do it. No, For a lot of times vastly illiterate people, he would herald his heralds to come into the court and he would hand them official written documents and they would get on horseback or foot and they would go to all the outer reaches of his kingdom, every village, town, hamlet. I don't even know what a hamlet is other than it has a play named after it. And he would assemble all of the country folk, right? Who are gathered wherever they're gathered. He would unroll the scroll. I don't know if he said, hear ye, hear ye. I just feel like that's what you're supposed to do at this point. And there's probably some mighty Python joke I can make, but it's not coming to me right now. And as he would speak the king's words, he would carry the king's presence and the authority. And upon hearing them, it was law. This is a herald's job to come and proclaim what the king has entrusted to him. And so I think what Mark is trying to remind his audience of, and maybe remind us tonight, is that even King Jesus needs heralds to prepare the way for him. So maybe if we picture it like this, I, I want to really know what's probably in the mind of Mark's audience when they're hearing this. So it's written about 70 AD. So imagine with me, if you will, you're in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Um, There's just been a revolt, and so Rome has come over and taken military control of the city. You're under siege. Inflation is skyrocketing. People don't know who to trust, and they're trying to figure things out. About 40 years ago, there was a huge swell in nationalistic pride and hope as a Jewish rabbi named Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, And his followers gathered around him and declared he was the king of the kingdom of God. And everyone was eager and yearning and finally the waiting is over. The Christ, the promised one has come and he will establish David's throne forever and ever and the kingdom of God will rule on earth as it is in heaven. But then he was crucified. And all of a sudden, people started wondering, how could this be a part of God's rescue plan? And then you heard later that his followers still continued to gather and they claimed that he was resurrected and that he was coming again soon. And every, sometimes around the city and secret places, you could find pockets of his followers where they had created spiritual family and community they were doing really weird and radical things, like sharing their possessions together, taking care of the poor and the needy. And in the spiritual family, there was really just courageous, zealous, revolutionary things happening, like it didn't matter your gender, your ethnicity, your social economical background. They welcomed you because if you were a human being, you bore born in the likeness of God and you had a divine dignity about you. But maybe, just maybe, you didn't hear that message much anymore. Maybe it's because times were so dark and so desperate. Maybe some of his followers started to shy away from sharing the message. Maybe the question that Mark has for his community, and if he was here tonight, He would have for our community is where have all the heralds gone? Where are the children of God that are ready to herald the message of God? Do we still believe? Do we still have hope? Are we still able to remain faithful and worship in our waiting? I think the answer for them and for us is the heralds are here. Just help us. Give us a divine courage and a divine responsibility back into our lives. So a question I have for you guys tonight is when's the last time you heralded the good news of the kingdom of God and its king to someone? The way that we like to say it sometimes is when is the last time you shared your faith with someone who didn't share your faith? in such a way that they wanted you to share more. Because it's our divine right and responsibility to be a herald of the good news of the kingdom of God, what that implies is, we are supposed to be in constant communication with the king. Maybe one of the reasons all of the heralds have gone silent is because we're not communicating with the king on a daily basis. When's the last time God told you something that you told to someone else and said, I just can't keep this a secret. It's boiling up and it's bubbling over, but I think God is calling me to this or I think God wanted me to share this with you. Where have all the heralds gone? I think if you're trying to figure out and diagnose, hey, where, what is my role as God's messenger, as his herald in the kingdom of God? Why do I feel so reluctant shy, apathetic, or silent. I think there's a simple progression that we find in this text. It's anticipation, it's preparation, and then it's proclamation. Mark comes out of the gates fast and furious, right? It's anticipation. He goes way back to Isaiah and says, here, we've heard the divine echoes of God's rescue plan all the way from the beginning. And then the first person he heralds is John. And John shows up who is supposed to prepare the way for the risen king, right? He's coming, get ready, baptized for the repentance of sins. And that's the preparation part. They're anticipating that he can and he will act. And they're preparing, making themselves ready for when he does. And then comes the proclamation. And for John and for Jesus and for you and I, it has not changed. It is simply repent and believe the kingdom of God is near and so is the king. Change the way that you're thinking, live a different way into the reality that Christ is here. So what would it look like for us to start to live into that? I wonder if maybe the biggest reason that a lot of us are silent when it comes to heralding the coming king and kingdom is we've lost the ability to hear the king's voice you may saying, well, what does that mean, Chris? God speaks to you. That's kind of weird. Isn't that how cults start? I'll give you that. Well, one, we submit it into interpretation for community. We put it underneath the word of God. But I just want to remind you, in the full overarching narrative that God has been writing in human history, he has spoken. In Genesis chapter 1... He is the creator who billows out, let there be light. So if you woke up this morning and you saw evidence of sunlight, you can be convinced that God has spoken. He is Jesus who comes and says, repent and believe the kingdom of God is at hand in Mark chapter one. He is the Holy Spirit in John chapter 14, who says you will never be alone as he whispers in your ear, I am with you. In Song of Solomon. He's a lover in the rain calling your name. In James chapter 1, he's a good father who delights in giving good gifts to his children. In Hebrews chapter 2, he's the older brother, Jesus, who stands between us and God and who speaks for us on behalf of God because his blood speaks a better name. And in Luke chapter 15, he's the reckless and relentless shepherd who leaves the 99 to find the one, who are broken and bruised, all so he can whisper in your ear, come home child. And in Revelation chapter 22, he is no longer the crucified, just the crucified king, he is now the conquering king, who heralds his heralds and says, look, I am coming again soon. He has spoken and he is speaking. The question is, Will we speak for him? So I wonder, what does it look like for us intentionally in this next season that's supposed to be about his coming, where we get so busy, distracted, depressed, hyper focused on everything that we don't have to sit back, make room to hear the message once again, and to stand to our feet and say, I'm willing to be a messenger of that message? What is that message? Oh, you haven't heard? I'm so glad you asked. Christ has come. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And we wait and we yearn for that day to come. Amen. So we'd like to take 120 seconds and just listen in to what had your name on it tonight. So I the worship team to come, but maybe just think about. As you listen to the Father, what's necessary for you to herald his kingdom? Do you need more anticipation that Christ will break through, that the kingdom of God will make a way in your life? Is there an area of preparation, of making a straight path? There's obstacles that are in your way, and you know it, and the Lord wants to break those strongholds so that he can make a beeline to you, to your family, and to your friends? Or is it just simply proclamation? I need to get my voice back. A lot of times I I think we say, that's on a need to know basis, as a stiff arm for you're not allowed to have access to this information. I think what the gospel says to us is, oh no, it's need to know, and they need to know. And if you know your father, start looking for those needs and start heralding the fact that Christ is coming. So let's take 120 seconds and just lean in and listen in to see what the Spirit of God might speak to you.